Hello, and welcome to the MXU Worship Podcast hosted by Stephen Brewster. Each episode features great conversations between Stephen and all kinds of worship leaders, from the most prolific songwriters from prominent churches to folks you may have never heard of. Either way, we hope that these resources and conversations will encourage, equip, and empower you to be the best worship leader you can be. Make sure to follow and subscribe to this podcast, too, so you can stay up to date on all of our episodes and other resources. Way Joy, welcome to our little podcast, man. Man, Brewster, it is it is an honor to be here. It's good just hanging out with you. I mean, we've been friends for a long, long Very time. Very long time. And... I remember the first time that we met was in Atlanta, Georgia. I th- well, first time we actually like hung out was in Atlanta, mm-hmm. Georgia at a Catalyst um, creative meeting or something like that. Yeah. And you and Chris and I, and we hung out and I was like, this is a dude that I can vibe with. So I don't I, know, 13, 15 years later, here we are getting to do a podcast together. Yeah. It's, yeah I mean, <laughs> we're still vibing 15, 16 years later. Um, and we both lived a lot of life through those seasons. Yes, we have. I mean, you've been, you don't get a, a, a lot of friends that can transition with you across multiple seasons of life. And I feel like you've been one of those people for me. So it really has been a gift to have you and Jackie oh, as, as just really extended family for Ferris and I. And so, yeah, we, we love you a lot and yeah, this will be fun. Just chat. Well, that's that's a mutual love. We love you and Ferris and and the girls. And um, yeah, I mean, you know, I, as you get older, this is going to sound so corny, but as you get older, you, you learn that the, the, the relationships mean a whole lot more than anything else. And so I'm very, very thankful. Um, as you talk about <laughs> years and transitions in life, you've gone through a few transitions recently. We'll get to that, uh-huh. but tell us a little bit. You started off you were kind of the beginning of elevation worship and uh, a lot of the people who listen to our podcast, our worship leaders kind of give us the backstory of Wade joy up to elevation. And then we'll kind of pick it up from there. Yeah. So, um, I mean, and if you don't mention the Wade joy band, I will post. The I mean, links. I've done my best to erase all links of the Wade joy band from the internet, but I'm pretty <laughs> sure you can still find some stuff. But no, I, I grew up in South Carolina and wanted to go into ministry from a pretty early age in, in high school. But I like I started playing guitar, I think my sophomore year in high school, honestly, to impress a girl because <laughs> one of the guys in my youth group played guitar and all the girls liked him. And I was like, if I can play the guitar, they'll all like me. Wasn't yeah. as successful for me, but at least it got me, it got me playing guitar <laughs> and writing songs. And I just fell in love with that. I, I wanted to, for a long time, I wanted to like write my own music and release albums of like my CCM songs, like performance songs. And I joked that I, I wanted to be the next Stephen Curtis Chapman because he was another short blonde guy in Christian music. Uh, but once again, <laughs> that wasn't very successful. But I did notice over the years as I would travel around to Christian camps and retreats and youth groups that the Lord really blessed it when I led worship. And more and more, God just yep. really began to change my heart to fall in love with that, to fall in love with what would happen in a room as we worshiped and in people's lives. And I began to see that I had a gift and a grace to do that. Uh, then I went on staff 
at a Methodist church in Lexington, South Carolina. I'd grown up Baptist, um, got thrown into the world of the, of the Methodist church, and I was the contemporary worship leader uh, for a church that wasn't very contemporary at all. Uh, so it's nothing like Elevation. Get that out of your mind. Right. And I was also the, the youth pastor. And those three years at that church, which were nothing like my preference, nothing like anything I'd done before, God really began to change my heart about the local church. Because before that, I kind of wanted to do ministry, but on my own terms. Mm -hmm. And at that church, I began to see how God moved in the lives of these students and this community in, in ways that didn't necessarily line up with my preference, but God was moving among them. Uh, among us. And so I really loved that. And at the time, I think it was like my third year there, I brought in um, Pastor Stephen, who I'd met years before in the Wade Joy Band days. Uh, I was leading worship at a camp and he was the preacher for the camp. And I remember we would walk around during that camp. We'd do these walks around the lake and I was asking him for relationship advice for a, a, a girlfriend I had at the time. <laughs> Um, but uh, we, we had lost touch, but I brought him in to do a disciple now weekend. And I brought in a friend of mine named Matt Brock to do a disciple now weekend. And we all kind of met there and he was telling us about this new church he had started called elevation. It was, uh, a, almost a year in invited me to come lead worship. And over the next couple of months, uh, eventually me and Chris Brown and Mac Brock, all three of us in the summer of 2007, came on board uh, to help build the worship ministry at Elevation. I was the worship pastor, and my title pretty much stayed worship pastor all close to 15 years that I was there. Although if you're in church ministry at all, you know titles mean nothing because my job changed so much during that time. But it was just, it was a gift to be a part of the church, to get to experience just so many amazing things that the Lord did there and how he changed my life and my family's life. And I went through a lot, uh, a lot there in terms of my own personal journey as a worship leader and as a worship pastor, which I'm sure we can get into. And a lot of that is reflected in what I'm doing now. But it was a really um, pivotal season of my life that I'm thankful for. And you were there for quite some time, right? You were at <clears throat> yeah, for... almost almost 15 years from 2007 to the end of 2021. So a lot of things change in 15 years. And you talked yeah. about your personal journey a little bit. What's what is like one of the most defining marks or difference between you when you started at Elevation and you when that season came to an end? Oh wow, <clears throat> man! So much has changed. Um, I mean, I had no kids when I started at Elevation, and now I have three <laughs> that's daughters. That's a that's, that's a, a big, big change. change. Um, I mean, everything about the church changed when we started. The church was a year in, and it was one high school. And now, obviously, um, it's a lot different than that. Right. Um, when we started, I was a worship leader and getting to write songs and getting to be on albums. And, and I was probably one of the biggest shifts is my mindset, because at that time, I wouldn't have realized it, but I think I defined myself at that time as Wade, the worship leader or Wade, mm -hmm. the songwriter. And through me having to let go of some things as Elevation Worship grew and as my role needed to shift, it forced me to, be, 
to really peel back all the layers of false identity I'd put on myself and get to the core of my identity in Christ. And that was a long process. It was a painful process. But I would say on this side of it, um, I have a much firmer grasp on who I am in Jesus, although I still struggle with this all the time and trying to attach my identity to different things. But I think God took me through a process in those 15 years of learning that we can't look at our whole life through the lens of one chapter. Yeah. Uh, and I think sometimes as worship leaders, we think, well, my life and my impact and my calling only matter if I'm on that stage doing the thing that I love. But if that's the case, then whenever you have to step away from that, then what does that mean for your purpose and your impact and, and, and your fulfillment then if you put it all in one role that you do? And that's one of my passions now is to talk to worship leaders about Hey, this this assignment that you have, it's it's amazing and it's a gift and steward it well for this season that you're in it. But don't think it's the only thing God can do through you through your life because I'm a testimony that it's not. Like you can let that go and dream new dreams and have new impact for the kingdom of God. And so that's a lot of what I'm passionate about because I had to let go for like the first seven years of my time at Elevation, I was getting to do all those things I'd dreamed about. Right. And then there was a pivotal moment where Pastor Steven sat down with me and and basically said, and I, I write about this, or at least the ramifications of it in, in my book, that he said, you know, Chris and Mac, they're amazing worship leaders and songwriters and vocalists, and they have a gift for that. I think you're good at those things, but you have a lid. But I think within you, you have the gifting to be a great uh, shepherd and teacher and pastor. And one day you're going to have to decide, are you willing to let go of what you're good at in order to take hold of what God's called you to be great at? Mm-hmm. And I mean, you know me well enough to know that, that, that would, that's a hard thing oh, <laughs> for yeah. me to hear. And my anxiety started spiraling. And what does that mean for me? And all the reasons why I was right and he was wrong and all that kind <laughs> of stuff. But then when I went home to process it that night, I felt like the Lord Actually, I was, I was looking at my, I was sitting at my bed and I looked at my Bible and it was open. And I don't always recommend you just look at the Bible and think the first thing you read is what God is saying to you. Right. But it was open from where I was reading it that morning. And it was when David wanted to build a temple and God, or through the prophet Nathan said, no, you're not supposed to build this temple. It's for your son Solomon to do. And while I'm not trying to compare myself to David by any means, seeing how David had to hear a no from God for a good dream that was in his heart and to hear God say, it's not for you to do, it's for someone else to do, but I want you to set them up because he gave Solomon the plans. And I felt like that was what I needed to hear to be like, okay, can I take myself out of the seat I thought I would sit in in this dream? Because this was just as Elevation Worship was starting to to grow and get bigger. And I felt like the Lord was challenging me. Can you set other people up to walk in the role that you thought you would play? Yep. And that wasn't an easy thing. It wasn't like when I felt that all of a sudden that the struggle went away. It was a process for years of really learning how to let go. But in that process of wrestling with God, the Lord changed my heart, changed what fulfilled me, what I was passionate about. And he gave me new dreams to dream, but it was 
it required letting go of the seat that I thought I would sit in in that journey. Sorry, yeah. I've just talked a lot, but no, that was amazing. So, how did you? I don't imagine that that is a one-time transition, right? Like mm. it doesn't happen. Okay, I read the verse. <laughs> I heard. I heard the 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 direction, and now I'm now I'm good with it. Right. How do you? What is that? continuous journey look like that journey that you're on that's like because i think a lot of like i think when i talk to worship leaders they're always afraid of that i'm going to turn 40 and not know what to do next of my life thing yeah and, and, and sometimes that's real it's not always real how have you like walked that journey like what are some of the the tools that you've used to to navigate and become comfortable where you're not comfortable and to deal with the anxiety that, that comes with that. Yeah, that's a great question. I mean, just to show you how long of a process that was, I mean, and I will always honor and and thank pastor Stephen for having the courage to be clear with me about what he saw in me. Um, and what he where, what he thought my lid was, but he also gave me time to work it out on my own. When he had that conversation, it wasn't like a this shift is tomorrow. And sometimes right. that kind of stuff happens for sure. needs to happen. But this he gave me time to to process it and to continue to build. And I remember we were about to this was several years later. We were about to record an album called Only King Forever. And things were really tense around album time because Everyone's wondering, do I get to sing on the album? Is you know, and as God brought more and more amazing worship leaders to the team, there's less chance of that. And I remember I was praying, I was like, God, when are people going to realize it's not about recording an album, it's about building your church? And I felt like the Holy Spirit said, Well, you haven't gotten it yet, so how can they get it? Wow. And so that was the final like kick in the butt for me. Like, okay, it's it's time for me to let this go because it's not just about me anymore. It's about what how I'm going to lead this team. And yeah. I can't lead them to a place that I'm not willing to go. So I think the the step is just continued and daily wrestling with God, being silent before God, being submitted to Him. So I think it all starts with prayer. Mm-hmm. Like, can you, do you realize you the depth of your need for Jesus in all areas of your life? And are you building your life around that priority? Because we need the Holy Spirit to make that transformation in our hearts. I couldn't do that on my own. And it took a long process of prayer and getting in God's word and sitting under sermons and being honest with God when I didn't feel it and asking him and just bringing my mess to God. I felt like God one time said, you think you have to pray all these neat and tidy prayers. I want you to bring my, your messy prayers because that shows that you're bringing all of your heart. So I think there's that aspect that we have to start with. Like you have to, to actually prioritize time with the Holy spirit. Um, but then also I think I went to counseling. So mm-hmm. I, I had a, a really good counselor that helped me from the mental health anxiety standpoint that helped me peel back a lot of the layers of my identity. I had a, a great community and I couldn't talk about some of these struggles with everybody, but I could with a few, um, chief of which is my wife, but um, even you and people like that in my <laughs> life. I mean, you've been on the other side of many phone calls with me. Um, and so I felt like 
you know, God speaks to us through other people. And not everything yeah. someone says to you is a word from the Lord, but we have to at least be humble enough to be open to that. To, right. Hey, God is trying to speak to me through these people. And then I think, to me, the quickest way to change the direction of your heart is to encourage someone else, is to, to, to let your ministry be more about how you're setting other people up to flourish in theirs. So one of the things that we were taught at Elevation that I love so much, and I teach it all the time, is that mature ministry is being more excited about what God does through others than what He does through you. And so I found wow. that my heart changed when I could see someone like John Sal who, who came through our apprenticeship program and then was hired and then started to do all these amazing things, like I said, that I at one point wanted to do. And the more I could diversify my satisfaction and place and invest it in someone like him and other people on the team as they were being raised up and realize I can still lead worship through them. I can set them up to run further and faster. And I began to find so much joy in watching people like him succeed. People yeah. like Jenna, people like Tiffany, all the, these amazing people on our team. I began, the more I would push them out front and the more I would speak encouragement and speak life, I found that over time, my heart followed. And then my heart began to find satisfaction in that yeah. and less about the spotlight being on me. And there were still times where I would struggle or still times where I was, had a little bit of FOMO. But I think encouragement is your greatest antidote to entitlement. Oof. So we have to learn to leverage that really well. Wait, say that again. Encouragement? Encouragement is the greatest antidote to entitlement. And entitlement is such a dangerous slope. Um, yeah. It, 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 it's, a, it's a dangerous slope for a leader. It's a dangerous, dangerous slope for a pastor, but it's also very common in a worship leader. Or just a human, <laughs> actually. Yeah, just like we job. just we like it. we like to figure out what we can get away with. Mm -hmm. Wow. Okay, so the transition that you made, really, you 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 set down a dream that you had of being a worship leader, a songwriter, a recorded artist, to become to be a leader and a pastor, and you just wrote an amazing book about this journey and this process. Give us the quick synopsis of the book and how it can help a worship leader today. Yeah, it's, um, and, and let me just say this too, like I did have to lay down a dream, but I was also living in the middle of dreams that I dreamed about earlier in my life. And I think sometimes we can get so focused on what we're having to lay down that we forget what we're living in right now. And I think that's where gratitude is such, such a powerful thing to be like, yes, I'm, I'm, I need to to shift to something new, but God, thank you for letting me walk in that for the time that I got to. Thank you for the new thing you're doing in me. And so I, I think realizing, and that's what this book is about, it's called This Dream Is Not For You. Uh, the subtitle is Learn to Live by Letting Go. Mm -hmm. And it really talks about how in my life, some of the greatest gifts God has given me has been on the other side of a no to a dream I thought I couldn't live without. And so it was in laying down leading worship and songwriting that I got to realize that I love to, to pastor people and I love to preach and teach. And then I had a dream about writing a book and now I love to coach. I have all these new things 
that I wouldn't have been able to experience if my hands were still like clenched around this identity of being a worship leader. Yeah. And I think in, in the church today, we often talk about our dreams the same way the world does, because we tend to say that you have to chase your dreams, that your dream is your purpose, that your dream is your calling. And that can lead to either disappointment when you don't get your dream and you feel like, well, I have no purpose now, or you get your dream and it's not what you thought it would be and it doesn't fulfill you. And then you're disillusioned. And so I think your dream is dangerous when you define yourself by that dream. And so we have to learn to redefine the dream in the scope of, of God's dream for his kingdom and what God says about our purpose. Cause I believe you can bring your purpose into, and you're calling into your life, whether you're living in your dream or you're not. You can bring it into a, yep. a job that you love. You can bring it into a job that you hate. Um, and your dream that you have right now might not be for you. And I think we've all been there. We've been through times where God has said no to something or God has said, wait, God has said, not now. And sometimes it's, it's not ever. So we have to see how do we do that in a way? How do we grieve well, but mm-hmm. also how do we trust God well and have our hands open to actually still live with expectation, still live with faith. I believe the message of this book is to keep dreaming, dream big, but dream the way a disciple dreams with open hands of surrender. So it's I'm passionate about it because I honestly think the book is a must read for worship teams because ha- I talk so much about my story mm-hmm. in worship, but also I just think in this generation, so many worship leaders are chasing what they think success looks like. They think yep. they have to record an album to be on the CCLI charts, you know, to to look like this worship ministry that they love and admire and respect. And in doing that, they can miss the beauty of what they are actually called to do right there in their church with their people. And we spend so much time chasing something that wasn't meant for us that we miss the gift that God does want to give us right where we are. And so I want to help worship leaders carry, carry your calling into where you are right now, into your current assignment. Don't chase it somewhere else. Don't chase significance. Don't chase status, but carry purpose with you. And I believe that's where fulfillment, that's where contentment comes from. Yep. And and it really is something that I love just to work with worship leaders about right now is let's really talk about what success looks like in the kingdom of God, because oftentimes Mm -hmm. it's not what we think it is. A hundred percent. hundred percent. So... Um, what was you, the, what was the biggest thing you learned either about yourself or just in general as you wrote the book? And I said, that's, that's, I haven't been asked that yet. What I learned about myself as I wrote the book. I mean, honestly, I learned how just the process of creating is mm-hmm. worship. Yeah. Sometimes we think the end product is only meaningful once it's validated by an audience. But one of the things that um, I say sometimes when I teach to worship leaders or I teach worship leaders is that your gift is an offering, not a crown. And mm-hmm. so it's a, it's a gift to be offered back to God, um, not a crown to draw attention to ourselves. And I realized as I was writing this book that even in the hard days, um, it was such a joy to look back and, and recognize God's faithfulness in my life. 
And it just became this act of worship to me as I wrote it. And yes, I want a lot of people to read it because number one, I think it, I really believe in the message. Um, I want uh, people to be encouraged. But at the end of the day, even if no one reads it, I still feel like the act of creating it itself was worthwhile and meaningful. And I think the same thing goes for worship leaders with, if you're a songwriter, is it enough for you if those songs are only ever heard by God? I know like all of us want other people to hear them and that can be amazing, but what if the gift in this season is just that God wants you to offer those songs back to him in your own personal prayer time? So I think I'm learning how much I I want validation from others, but how much value comes when I can really say, okay, God, before anybody else sees this, I'm just going to offer even just the process of creating itself unto you as worship. I don't know if that makes sense or not. No, but. that makes, to- makes total sense. Makes total sense. And I think is like really, man, that's so, everyone needs to experience that feeling. Like learn, learn that lesson. You know, it's such a, such a valuable lesson. Um, so you're, not only are you a, a preacher and a worship leader and a songwriter and a coach. You're also a coach. And so yes. as you've been coaching worship teams um, around the country, and and if you're a worship team, you need to, to bring Wade in and let him coach your team and spend some time with your team. He's phenomenal at what he does. What is what is what is one of the biggest issues you see on worship teams currently as you mm-hmm. work with different teams across the country? Yeah, I think, I mean, I I touched on one a second ago about what are you actually chasing in terms of what you think success looks like. But I think also, I mean, how to build a healthy culture is is something that I focus on a lot. So I have a a, a course that I take people through called Performer to Pastor, uh, level up from leading songs to serving people. And so helping worship leaders understand what it looks like to be a pastor beyond the 20 minutes that you're on stage on a Sunday? What does the rest of the week look like? How do you actually love people and celebrate them and also confront them? And so I would say that a lot of, one of the challenges I see is how do we actually lead and disciple the people on our team well? And I think that there's, at the root of that, like people want to, People will follow you if you they feel like you have a path for them, mm-hmm. a path for them to grow, whether spiritually in their gift. And I think it's a worship pastor's responsibility to help provide a path and to lead the way. And along with that comes clarity. Be clear in what you celebrate. Be clear in how you challenge people. Be clear in the standards that you have. Be clear like what it looks like to follow Jesus. I think there's there's just a lack of clarity in what it means to lead people well. And just disciple them. And so I love talking about that mm-hmm. and, and helping people find some clarity and direction there. That's that's awesome. Um this you made a transition from an amazing organization that you helped build and and invested years of your DNA and life into. Um now you're doing your own thing and you're still championing the 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 team that you that you're no longer working with that you're no longer on their team a lot of times i've watched 
uh, worship leaders catastrophically destroy three, five, eight, ten years of ministry in how mm. they leave where they were, yeah, and then how they act after they were there. And and a lot of times we know that I mean, no job is a perfect job. It's not like working at Elevation was like Elevation's just like every other church. There's amazing things about it, and there's things that are just difficult, and that's true of wherever we work. How have you been able to continue to be a champion for where you were when you're no longer there? Yeah, so we still attend the church. We we attend the Blakeney campus, um, and that was awkward, at the, especially at the beginning. I mean, when yeah. when something when something goes wrong and I like jump up to fix it, I'm like, Oh, I'm not that guy anymore. Um, <laughs> That's not my job. That's not my job. <laughs> and then all the the insecurity that comes when you see like, Oh, things keep growing and they keep are still healthy after I leave. And you know that mentally. Right. But that was a process for me to work through of God just showing like the pride in my heart that I needed to, to let go of. And, mm-hmm. and so but once again, I just found that the more I can show up and the more I can speak encouragement, the more my heart follows that. And at the end of the day, like doing life and ministry for almost 15 years with people that you love around a mission that you believe in, that was a gift. And God used everything that was great about that season and the tough parts of that season to shape yeah. me into who I am now. And, and so I'm grateful from that. I've learned from it and I honor it. Um, and so I think for me, one of the things I'm passionate about too, is you don't have to burn down what you left to build something new. Oh, that's so good. And it doesn't mean in some situations for some people, yeah, there's some things that need to be brought to light and, and healed in in the church, but we have to do that with love and with grace and through the right channels, uh, and the right, um, with the right spirit and the right heart. And for me, I'm just, I feel more than anything, just gratitude for what I was a part of. And I want to see them continue to reach more people for Jesus. Right. Uh, Chris is still one of my best friends. I want to see him continue to thrive in what he's good at. So when you leave someplace, go and build the thing and, and be a part of something that is positive and that is moving the the big C church forward. You don't have to tear down the thing that you left to do that. That's so good. So, so good. And I, I wish that we could grab every person who's ever going through a transition and tell them that before, <laughs> before they, they go ahead and light that match and burn down what, where they came from. And yeah. I would say this, like go, Get the counseling you need. Talk to yeah. the people that you trust, but will also tell you the things that you don't want to hear sometimes. Yep. Um, that will will be truthful with you. And work through whatever pain you need to work through. I'm not trying to minimize that because there can right. be real pain. There can be real hurt. So deal with that. Um, and then make decisions and make choices in life from a healthy place, not from a like a your heart's a gaping wound. Yeah. Um, Not from the situation. Hurt. Yeah. yeah. And so I think having some patience in that process and even like as my, I would say when I left staff, 
everyone in leadership was incredibly gracious and kind um, and encouraging and supportive of this season. But anytime there's a transition, there's always emotion involved and there's always sadness and grief. And, and sometimes we can, we can mislabel the emotion or we think the other person is mad at us when really they're just sad. So always believe the best about other people in the transition and then fight for the relationships that you still want to continue developing. Not every relationship is going to transition with you, but don't automatically close every relational door. Like really fight for the relationships that mean something to you and it's worth the work. Yeah, that's so good. So good. And it is. And I think like, as I've, I've been through a few transitions myself and <laughs> yes, you have. Have, have helped a few people through transitions. When the grace lifts on where you've been, that doesn't mean the grace lifts for everyone who's there. Yeah, and that's so, a great way to say it. Because your grace is lifted, don't poison the well because God's trying to take you somewhere else or move you to some, something different. And, mm-hmm. and, you know, we talk all the time about people hurt people, churches don't hurt people. And church hurt is real, but it's mislabeled. It's not church hurt. It's hurt from a person who works at a church or is part of a church. And so um, really, really, really interesting. So mm-hmm. your book is is out now. What is one thing that you hope that the the readers of your book or the teams that go through your book together, which as a team, you should do that. But what's one hope that you have for people when they when they uh, read this book? Yeah, I, I, ultimately, I want people to realize that Jesus can be trusted, even in the seasons where you're just looking at the pieces of a shattered dream, and and realize that God is still good in those seasons, and that doesn't mean your life is over and your story is over. It's just one chapter. And so whether you're in a season of feeling like your dream is dead or you're living in the middle of your dream, I think this book is important because it gives us the right frame to hold those dreams in a healthy way and not just have a healthy dream. It helps you become a healthy dreamer because we're dreaming the way God intended us to dream. So I would love for people to read this book and dream bigger dreams than ever before but in a way that they're not controlled by that dream anymore. And I think for so long in my life, I was controlled by my dreams because whatever you assign meaning and purpose to is what you end up giving power to in your life. And so I want us to give power to the right thing, which is ultimately Jesus and who he says we are. Wow. So good. I try to ask everyone who comes on our little podcast, this question, um, you and I both know that most people work in a church that's not the size of elevation. That's the anomaly, not the norm for, Mm -hmm. for the person who's working at a church and maybe they're bivocational, maybe they're, maybe they're, um, have a small team. Maybe they're completely a volunteer. What would be your encouragement today to help them keep going, to not give up? Yeah, I would say that, You right now have no idea how God is going to use the seeds that you're sowing in hiddenness, 
in frustration. Um, but I think success in the kingdom of God looks like faithfulness. And sometimes we think it's about chasing personal fulfillment. But in reality, I think it's being faithful to fulfill your assignment. And I think when you can be faithful in those long, trying seasons, I think that is what really changes people's lives. Because I think the people that you're impacting, you might have no idea. Like You feel like you're showing up and serving week in and week out, and no one's noticing and no one's thanking you. But first of all, God notices. But second of all, when I think of the people that impacted my life, I'm not, I'm not naming famous people. I'm naming the people that, like my grandfather, my my dad, my mom, the people that have just been there faithfully. Yeah. Um, you know, there's a two mentors I had in college um, that most people on this podcast would never have heard of, but I'm the man I am today because they invested in me, and. They had nothing to gain from it. And I think the Lord blesses that. He blesses your faithfulness. He blesses your consistency. And so don't give up because you have no idea what's in the next chapter of your story. And this current chapter is not the entirety of your story. You don't know the full narrative that God is writing. Yeah. Yeah, Don't give up. That's so good. So, so good. Well, Wade, thank you for taking time today. Um, people can find you on your socials, Wade Joy, J-O-Y-E. Yeah, remember the E. Don't forget the E. And uh, we'll have the book linked on, on the show notes here. Please, if you lead a team or if you're a worship leader uh, or if you're in any type of leadership, and ultimately, if you've had a dream and you don't feel like that <laughs> dream's come true, which I think we all have an area in our life where there's a dream that hasn't come true. I, I wanted to be in the NBA and <laughs> I don't suspect that's happening anytime soon. So if you have had a dream and that dream didn't happen or you're waiting for it to happen, you need to grab this book. It is, I've had a chance to read it. I think it's phenomenal. Um, go grab it right now and, and make sure you check it out. Wait, thanks so much for hanging out with us today. Thanks for investing time with us and just investing time in people to help ministry and the kingdom get better. Thanks, Brewster. Love you, man.